and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Happy March! It's the official month of spring in my eyes, and I am so happy it's starting to get sunnier and warmer. I am certainly fed up with wearing my coat now, and also it means Easter is coming, which means I eat my body weight in Cadbury's cream eggs for at least the next two months. It's not really a springtime episode this week, but it's one that's super interesting nonetheless. They are ones you would know if you play World of Warcraft as much or for as long as I have, and that's the Naga from Hindu and Buddhist folklore. The Naga are described as half snake, half human beings, usually with the top half being human and the bottom being a snake tail. However, they can also have reptilian features, such as snake eyes, fins, fangs, hoods, webbed fingers on the human half too. They are usually bigger than usual humans, due to them being able to hold themselves a lot higher on their snake tails, so they're usually around 7-8 to eight foot tall and are considerably well built. In terms of their snake-like appearance, they are probably most like the King Cobra due to that hooded appearance when they do tend to utilise the snake-like features. However, they don't tend to look like cobras at any other point. They do tend to have a greeny, bluey hue rather than the mud kind of colour that cobras are. They are considered semi-divine creatures and a race unto themselves and are very much immortal. They're usually depicted as female, but male nagas do exist. The males are considerably larger and would wield tridents and spears when guarding, whilst females are more likely to wield either magic or something like daggers. Sometimes they are noted to be multi-headed, and they end up looking like the Greek Hydra, but this is much less reported than the traditional normal human-torso-snake combo, as normal as that sounds. To add to the normality of this creature too, it can also be reported sometimes that they have multiple arms, which looks pretty cool when they're holding like six blades in all six arms. It's pretty neat. In terms of powers, they're able to shapeshift, but only to fully human and fully snake, and the bit in between. There's not much else there. They're also super strong and super intelligent, with absolutely perfect good looks on their human side. Although they are snake-like, they are known for living completely in the water, and for being protectors of that water, and can cause rain as well, making them a kind of fertility blessing. You can usually find them in underwater caverns and caves, in massive jeweled palaces protecting treasure, and also in the Hindu underworld Patala. Hold up Erin, the underworld? How are we getting there? Why are they allowed? Well, I will fully explain later in their origins, but they are descended from the gods, and are used as the protectors of the gods within many different texts as bodyguards. They are also used by the gods as slimy assassins to punish the truly evil, and are only sent to Earth to hunt down these people, as well as those who are destined to die early. Outside of this though, they're usually pretty chill to humans, but they do seem quite intimidating. 
but as long as you don't venture into their kind of guarding zone and you don't insult them, you should be fine. The only exception to this is if you're a Garuda, which is another mythical beast from this mythology, a harp-like man-headed legendary bird who I mentioned in both the Rock and the Tengu episodes in the past. This monster is a sworn enemy of the Naga for countless reasons, and they've been fighting for an eternity, with the king of the Garuda making it his mission to kill any he comes across, usually victoriously. And I'll go into why later, because it's their origin story. It's too good for this bit. On to etymology, though. The word Naga is a word unto itself in Sanskrit. It means serpent, very literal, I know, and a tiny bit boring. But a fun fact around this one is that the Indian cobra is still referred to as a Naga, so that's fun. What's a little more interesting is their female and male name differences. So the female Naga are called Nagini or Nagin, and I swear if I see one thing about women and nagging in my comments, I'm going to go crazy. But the male Naga are just called Naga, so they're a bit boring, take that. This is interesting if you're into Harry Potter, as you'll know Voldemort's transforming woman slash snake is called Nagini, and is of course based on the idea of this monster too, if in case you didn't know. What is super interesting though is their background and origin because there are some really rich stories around this monster. Now, we're not 100% sure when the myth around the Naga started, however we do know that in Southeast Asia they've had rituals dedicated to the Naga from around 2000 years ago. We do know the origin story of the Naga though, from the first written text about them, the Mahabharata, which was written between 400 BC and 400 AD, which is super ambiguous, it's about 800 years and we're just kind of guessing, but that's all I've got, I'm sorry. The story of the Naga explains that the mother of them and the mother of the Garuda married the same mage, who offered them both one wish. The Naga's mother, Kadru, wished for 1,000 children to completely outweigh her rival, and so she transformed into a Naga and laid 1,000 eggs. The Garuda's mother, Vinita, wished for just two children, but asked for them to be better than the Naga in every single way and thus the rivalry was born and went on for thousands of years. But eventually, Venata lost a bet and was sent to be a slave for the Naga, which her son did not appreciate. He then swore that he would get vengeance for his mother's treatment and would go on to kill every Naga he ever found ever since. He freed his mother by stealing nectar of immortality from the gods, but also dropped some on the floor, so the Naga then found this and licked the nectar up, also giving them their immortality and their split tongues. Now, I did talk about the underworld Patala earlier, and how did Naga get from living semi-harmoniously on the Earth to living in the depths of the oceanic underworld? Well, there were a thousand of these Naga, so there were just too many, and they started to torment the humans. So this is when they were cursed by Brahma for creating a ruckus, and no matter how much the Naga begged and pleaded for mercy, they were sent to Patala and said to inhabit the lowest realm in the underworld, Naga Loka, which very literally means snake world. And the only time they come out of that is to do the god's bidding, which I talked about earlier, where they go off and sneak and kill bad people. Many famous Naga came from this same clutch of eggs, 
starring in stories from these faiths, such as Shisha, who is probably the most important Naga of them all. So we'll start with him. Shisha is ingrained within Hindu folklore, as he is considered king of all the Nagas, or the Naga Raja. The Hindu creator god Brahma asks Shisha to hold up the world to keep it stable, which he does whilst all coiled up like a big snake. When he uncoils, time moves forward, and if he coils back, the world will cease to exist. He is sometimes depicted as holding up Vishnu, the god-king of Hinduism, in the cosmic ocean with all those multiple heads I talked about earlier. Another famous Naga is Vasuki, who lives coiled around the neck of Lord Shiva, another really important Hindu deity, and they basically use him as a giant wooden spoon in the ocean of milk in which the gods get their immortality from. That's about it with this story, I just think that one's quite funny, but he is very important within that act itself. The most important within the Buddhist faith is Muchalinda, who is the Naga protector of Buddha. Muchalinda famously protected Buddha from storms whilst he meditated, again using these multiple headed versions to keep him covered with the large hoods like the cobra. You might see this Naga more than most because of their importance of the role within the Buddhist religion, so you might be used to seeing a Naga with multiple heads, you might not, who knows? I personally think of them as just a singular head, I more think of a Hydra with the multiple heads, but if you've seen them one way, seen them another, I don't mind, they're both complete valid interpretations. The Naga are a super important part of Hindu and Buddhist beliefs, as they are those key elements to their god stories, not really seen as a monster as such, but as a necessary protector with a bit of family drama. The Naga are actually still revered in some parts of Southeast Asia, especially in places such as Cambodia and India, where they are still worshipped as fertility deities and protectors of the Buddhist people. We can still certainly see why the idea of snakes made it into these cultures, as they are naturally where these snakes populate and live. The King Cobra is immensely rare outside of Southeast and South Asia, and is unbelievably dangerous and very unique in the way it looks. It's also known to occasionally not bite people, and just allow people to kind of chill. It will still stick its head up and puff out that hood, and it is quite rare, but it is seen as a blessing from the Naga in some cultures, which I think is really cool. Of course, we can also see the influence of snakes within many other mythical monsters, especially this hybrid version. You've probably thought of the Greek Gorgon at least once during this episode, if you've seen either of the Clash of the Titan movies. Medusa is really commonly depicted as having a snake tail as well as snake hair, but not much in the myth actually feeds back into her having a snake's body, but you can certainly see the similarities with this one. It's not even the only Greek monster it's close to, but there's also the Lamia, half snake, half women, who were vengeance-seeking monsters who killed men specifically throughout Greece. They're a really cool monster, I will be doing an episode on them shortly. There's also the Melusine or the Starbucks mermaid, which is sometimes known to have a snake tail instead of a mermaid one, which is from France, the Nuwa from China, and the Nure Ona from Japan. Snakes and ladies are really the best pair in mythology from around the world, and you can certainly see this within the Naga themselves, and they are probably the most popular out of all of them, but they're all monsters we're going to cover at another time. It's really nice to see these comparisons in different cultures, though. 
Now, onto modern media. There are loads this week, so I do hope you're ready for some cool suggestions. A bit unusual, but my biggest one here is World of Warcraft. It's not unusual for me, but it's unusual for me to give a recommendation right at the beginning. If you're into RPGs, they cover these monsters amazingly. They're used as the main antagonist race for like two expansions. You really got a whole smorgasbord of Naga content within WoW if you're interested. And if you're interested, let me know. I'd love to share WoW tips with you. For art though, we're on to a bit of a tricky one. There are some old-timey portraits of them, but they don't have names, artists, times. So it's a bit difficult to tell you. I'm not sure how to tell you about them, other than to Google Naga if you're interested. It's a bit weird. Otherwise, independent art this week is super cool and modern too. But you can also see Naga statues or architecture all over Hindu and Buddhist majority countries. So if you're ever exploring around in Asia, have a look for some snake style entities for Naga as well. In movies, we have Nagin, which is the 1954 version and the 1976 version. The Eagle Man, White Snake, G.I. Joe the movie, Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Ahas, Clash of the Titans, Jungle Boy, Beetlejuice, Niga Hen, Janny Dushman, Star Wars, Hiss, Space Jam A New Legacy, Nagina, Batman, Soul of the Dragon, The Golden Child, The Lair of the White Worm, The Snake Prince, Dreamscape, and The Seventh Journey of Sinbad. For TV, we have Ninjago, Slayers, Nagin, The Secret Saturdays, Rick and Morty, Legend Quest, Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Dino Riders, Ben 10, Masters of the Universe, Conan the Adventurer, Aladdin the Series, Steven Universe, Witch, One Piece, Sanctuary, Hercules the Legendary Journeys, From Dusk Till Dawn, Doctor Who, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Inuyasha, Killing Bites, Fairy Tale, A Centaur's Life, Bleach, Three Times Three Eyes, My Hero Academia, Rosario plus Vampire, Destination Truth, Ushio and Tora, and One Punch Man. In video games, we have ones such as Dark Souls, Warcraft 3, Warcraft, World of Warcraft, XCOM, Battleborn, Boxy Tress, Takudin, Skylanders, EverQuest 2, Arabian Fight, Final Fantasy, Elder Scrolls, Sinjid, Shin Megami Tensei, Tecmo Knight, Shatay, Raging Blades, Hearthstone, Dragon Crawl, Dusty Revenge, Elden Ring, Hero of Sparta, Guild Wars, Last Armageddon, Metopia, The Battle for Westnoth, Total War Warhammer, Monster Tanda, Puzzle and Dragons, League of Legends, La Mulana, Jitsu Squad, Hydra Slater, City of Heroes, Diablo 3, Age of Mythology, Deltarune, and Arx Vitalis. My book recommendation this week is Demons and Demonesses of Hindu Mythology by Priya Narayanan for some really cool coverage of Hindu monsters, but also Hindu mythology, gods, goddesses and monsters by Aruna Mapapalaga Maje for some broader coverage of Hindu folklore stories. Really recommend this last one. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Now I'm not really sure about this one. It's a bit tricky to believe in, but I think as I know they're all underwatery and I'm usually all for water monsters existing, I guess it's the same argument with mermaids. But for some reason, half snake people are going more towards no than a yes for me. 
I also think it's the idea that cobras do not live underwater. They just do not live underwater. If this was the Yakamama and they're like an anaconda, I can get on board with it. But this is just something I can't get over in my head. As well as this, I'll be honest, I think I am just thinking of the Naga within World of Warcraft being real. And it's just not something I can imagine with the fins and the snake faces and the fact that sometimes they're bright purple. I'm just struggling to get over it. And to be fair, do I want a seven to eight foot giant half snake person coming after me? No thank you. However, culturally, I think this monster is so important. And I really do love the idea that snake people are pretty chill. Unless, you know, they see an eagle off in the distance and they're like, ah, which is pretty funny to me. So I'm on board this far. But what do you think? Did the Naga roam the seas and caverns around Asia? Let me know on Twitter. I'd love to know what you think. Now, they are one of my personal favourites from this week. I underestimated how much I would enjoy that. I'd love snakes, man. They're just so cool. I also didn't know very much about them historically. Not snakes, Naga. And culturally, before researching this one. So it was a really fun one to cover. Next week, though, we are doing a special because it's St Paddy's Day and we haven't done one yet this year and didn't do a Valentine's one. From that, you can probably guess the monster... But if not, we're heading over to Ireland and grabbing a giant pot of gold and jumping to the end of the rainbow for the leprechaun next Thursday. Quick reminder that the next episode is our last for two weeks as I take my annual March break for my birthday and for the podcast anniversary. So after this next episode, I'll be back on the 30th of March for our last episode of March. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though. Share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes. <laughs> <laughs>